Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Lit Service, where we're fans of fiction and purveyors of dodgy writing advice. My name's Aaliyah, and if I could collaborate with anyone who's ever lived, it would probably be Roald Dahl, because he just got life. He just got life. My name is Kristen, and if I were to collaborate with anybody, I think currently I would choose Dave Filoni, because who doesn't want to participate in creating Star Wars? I do. (laughs) Um, I'm Cameron Harris, and if I was going to collaborate with anyone... I think I'd have to say Brandon Sanderson, if only because then I'd be able to badger him about magic systems all day. <laughs> I'm Caitlin, and if I could collaborate with anybody, it would probably be Lainey Taylor, because I just oh. love her books. Yeah, that's a good choice. <laughs> Beautiful. So I'm Brody, and I live by Brandon Sanderson, so there you go. <gasps> and, uh, <laughs> If I were to collaborate, I, it would be um, Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, that's a fantastic answer. <laughs> um, hi, I'm Jody. Um, if I can collaborate with anybody, this is truly a dream. It would be probably Robin McKinley. And I say it's a dream because I can't see that ever working out. <laughs> Just because I don't think that either one of us would ever let go of anything enough to make it work. <laughs> but it would be a dream. Um, I'm Cynthia Hand, and if I could collaborate with someone, I would pick Neil Gaiman, maybe, oh, or choice. Margaret Atwood. Also good choice. I'm realizing after the fact that this is an awkward question because you guys do collaborate, and so and none of you chose each other. So already <laughs> the out. Oh, hi. <laughs> well, we already know what that's like. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> A big welcome to Cynthia Hand, Jody Meadows, and Brody Ashton, who are the Janies, authors of My Lady Jane, My Plain Jane, and the soon-releasing My Calamity Jane. Cynthia also wrote the Unearthly series, The Last Time We Say Goodbye, The Afterlife of Holly Chase, and The How and the Why. And Jody wrote the Incarnate series, The Orphan Queen duology, and Fallen I- and the Fallen Isles trilogy. Brody Ashton wrote the Everneath series and Diplomatic Immunity. So we are so thrilled to have you three ladies on. And can you tell us a little bit about the new Janie book? So our new book, My Calamity Jane, takes place in the Wild West. And the three main characters, we always have three main characters in our book. And the three main characters are Calamity Jane, shocker, um, Annie Oakley, and Frank Butler, um, who is Annie Oakley's husband in real life. So, um, And it... It is not just sort of the straight historical story of Calamity Jane. We always have to move things around, twist things up. And so it's the Wild West meets sort of Teen Wolf. We've got werewolves and sharpshooters and um, the greatest show in the West. So it was really super fun to write. I was lucky enough to get an advanced copy. And every time it says Annie got her gun, I was like, yes. That's a recurring bit. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. We're all really excited um, for that to come out. We're big fans of yours, as you can probably tell. Um, I don't know what you're allowed to say, but are there any other books you will be collaborating on in the future? Why, yes. Thank you for asking. <laughs> um, yes, our, our next book um, is My Contrary Mary. And we can't tell you too much about it yet, but it is set in the same world as My Lady Jane. And um, it's about Mary, Queen of Scots. It's very funny. Ooh. It's probably the most <laughs> romantic book we've written. Ooh, yes. Really? really okay. Well, high stakes there. That's exciting, too. Awesome. Well, this is perfect that we have you on here all together. 
I'm pretty sure I speak truthfully when I say none of us has ever collaborated on a novel. Is that right? That, that is correct. So we're going we're gonna to give you the stage. We're going to let loose with all the questions we ever had. And um, feel free to give us all the fantastic ad- advice you have. And all the bad advice, too. We're okay with that. <laughs> okay, yeah, we've got bad advice. <laughs> so I guess, first off, how did the three of you decide to collaborate? How did you decide to do a collaboration? So I had just gotten finished writing a really depressing book. I mean, it's a good book. I, don't, I want people to read it, but writing it took a lot out of me. Um, and I wanted to work on something funny, and I'd been thinking a lot about, about that. And I also wanted to, like, hang out with my friends more. So I, in the back of my mind for a, a while, I'd, I'd been thinking about trying to write a book about Lady Jane Grey. And uh, I always loved her in history. She was just like this amazing teenage girl who knew all these languages and was like the original book nerd before book nerds were a thing. And I just felt like she got the worst ending ever. And I was like, if I wrote a book about Lady Jane Grey, it would be so depressing. And I was like, but later I was like, why doesn't it it doesn't have to be that depressing, you know, like I can change it. I have the power. And um, so I just had this sort of idea of writing a comedy about Jane Grey and changing the end of the story. And the person who I thought was the funniest writer that I knew back then and someone I wanted to hang out with more and just um, was Brody Ashton. So I went and tried to sell her on this idea. And I'm horrible at pitching ideas. Yeah, we, we sat there, we were um, eating a salad and she said, hey, hey, I have this great idea about writing a book about Lady Jane Grey and she gets beheaded. And <laughs> but let's make it funny. <laughs> okay a funny beheading yeah, yeah. <laughs> that might not work but sure and then I just kind of ignored it for a while and then when we were all hanging out again a few months later then we started talking about it in Jody's presence and I was extremely jealous because Cynthia just started saying like oh we're writing a book together and I was like oh I'm so happy for you guys <laughs> <laughs> and uh then Cynthia said, oh, it's a fantasy book. Do you want to write it with us? So I said, yes. And I immediately texted my agent and said, hey, I'm writing a book with two other people. And she's like, okay, good luck. (laughs) And about an hour later, I asked, so what is our book about? It was about funny beheadings. (laughs) Yeah, I I should have realized as, as Cynthia was telling me that they were writing a book together, how quiet Brody was. And even then, a few months went by, you know, after that. Yes, until she had us trapped in a car. Yes, I had them trapped in a car in Los Angeles traffic, and I'm like, about this book we're all writing together, and they couldn't get out, so. We were about to go to Disneyland, and, and instead we went to uh, the library oh. <laughs> to work on the book, oh, yeah. Writing. yeah. By the time we got out of the car, uh, I think we were all sold, yeah. so. Oh. <laughs> At least you don't miss out on Disneyland, then. You're like, I thought we were going to ride the rides. Never. Jody still has not been to Disneyland. <laughs> yeah. One day, I hope, but, you know, not for the last seven years. <laughs> we had a plan this year. We had a plan that we were going to tour down the West Coast and we were going to end up at Disneyland and we were going to take Jody to Disneyland and that is not going to happen. And then this world happened. Yeah, that was the before times. <laughs> so it took all of you being trapped in a car together with Cynthia to make this happen. Do you feel like that's an important part of being able to collaborate is being in person together? Yes. For us, it always has been. We've always worked together in person when we work. 
So how how do you approach it? How do you come up with a plot and outline things? Do you outline or do you get, I mean, I can't imagine that you could write a book of discovery <laughs> writing with three people. I don't even know what that would look like. So how do you approach that? We outline pretty religiously. So um, there's always a lot of research beforehand and just trying to figure out like what happens in real life and how we can fit that with the fantastical element that we add. And then we look at, you know, what uh, the real life and how, um, how are, what characters we have and how we're going to make that work and where we're going to veer off from history. And since we write in rounds, um, you know, one character, then the next character, then the third character, and then, you know, back to the beginning. Um, we just outline probably half the book at first and write a little bit and then the second half of the book. And when we write in person, we usually meet somewhere um, and it just sort of depends on whose turn it is to be by their house. And um, and then we get up and we, we take about a week and we get up in the morning, have breakfast and then um, sit down with our outline. And each of us writes a chapter that day, which is way faster than any of us write on our own. But there's a lot of peer pressure. You can't be the one who doesn't finish your chapter that day. <laughs> And we talk about it as we go, you know, and, and we eat a lot of snacks. And um, and then at the end of the day, when we have our chapter, we have dinner. And then after dinner, we sit and read it out loud to each other and laugh and, like, make suggestions and jokes and things like that and talk about changes that could be made and then talk about what we're going to write the next day and sort of work that out and then get up and do that again. And by the end of a week, we have about half of a book. And then we take a break for a while and then come back for another week and do it again. And we have the whole book. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Do I mean, so it sounds like you guys are really collaborative, even though you're each writing a separate character. Is that right? So you're each all involved in how each character is going to develop and how each plot point is going to come together. Yeah, definitely. Um, because our, our characters interact a lot and we need to discuss what's going to happen with them on the page together and make sure that we do justice to the other person's characters, of course. And we all like edit and mess with each other's chapters. It's got to sound like our collective voice. Is it hard keeping the voices consistent from different perspectives? Like making Annie Oakley sound like Annie Oakley, even if somebody else's if it's um, Calamity Jane's perspective? Not really. I mean, occasionally we will say when we're listening to it or when we're editing, that doesn't sound like her exactly. And we'll, like, occasionally the person who's in charge of that character will say, she would probably say it like this, you know? But that doesn't happen very often. Most of the time we have a pretty good sense of who the characters are. And I mean, sometimes you read a chapter and you think... I didn't write this. And then you realize that Jody wrote it. And, <laughs> and it's, it's weird because suddenly and the character. Like, Wait, that doesn't sound like, yeah. It, it sounds like the character's girlfriend wrote it. <laughs> As in, he's totally not interested in any of those other girls. How could that happen? <laughs> yeah, he's not interested in girls. And I'm like, he is interested in girls. And yeah. So you have to <laughs> talk to your other uh, co-writer and be like, did you write this? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and Jody, yes, she did write it. Eyes on your own girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> that actually raises an interesting question, though. Like, when you 
disagree about where the story is going? How do you three handle it? We just mostly talk it through. And we allow each other to have sort of autonomy over our own characters to a point, you know? So, like, we used to have a rule that we followed pretty well, which was that you could not go backwards, only forwards. So if there was something that one of us really didn't like or a decision that didn't, that didn't come off, um, the person who is revising that, who's responsible for it, would just have to um, come up with something else to solve that problem, but couldn't take it back to where it was before. And that was something that we picked up from listening to other writers who collaborated, the sort of forward, not back motion. But we don't really even do that a lot. I think we mostly just talk it through. We've, we've come now to edit a lot more together. So before, when we first started, we drafted together and then we kind of edit, edited separately. And then, um, but now over our last couple of books, we, we edit together too, in a, in a way. And so then we just talk through what's not working and and come to an agreement. But we don't very often have a f- out and out disagreement about what needs to happen or that that's pretty rare. So I know when I'm editing my own drafts, I have trouble keeping track of where everything is and where it's going. And I'm one person writing. How do how do you keep all the edits straight when you've got three people working on it? Um well, if there's three of us, we each have a little bit of space to forget stuff. And then okay. hopefully the others will remember the other things. I forget the most. <laughs> <laughs> well, so take take me through this. So you each draft together. You write a chapter together every day for a week, and then you read them out loud to each other. So you're drafting all together. When you edit, and like your agents and your editors have already seen it, do each of you individually look at like every single word and line edit it? How do you keep from like editing each other's voices and words and I mean I, I haven't collaborated but the idea of somebody else going in and like fixing all my sentences just makes my skin crawl like what, what do you guys do <laughs> no that's Jody's the grammarian of us so she can be right along behind us fixing the grammar you know I will do it yeah when we <laughs> when we work in each other's chapters we do track changes or you know like suggested edits that way it's always an option and they can always see like you know I put this comment in there because I love it and find it necessary. Cynthia may disagree. I'm, I'm sure Cynthia agrees, but she might disagree. <laughs> and I, I don't give her the option as much anymore. <laughs> yeah. I met Jay Kristoff right after Aurora Rising came out, and it was at a conference that I'd just been teaching. I'd used um, the Illuminate book as one of the examples for making promises in a book because the beginning of Illuminate makes such great promises about what the rest of the book is going to be. And he was like, yeah, about that. You have to like follow through. I feel like I should be using an Australian accent right now, but that's okay. I won't. Give it a try. Um, Well, (laughs) people will hear it and then it will be awful. But he said, the problem with making promises is that you have to follow through. And Amy and I, when we were drafting the last book, um, Obsidio, I really wanted to take a different route than she did about how we ended books. But she argued that we had made very specific promises about how the ending of the first book would allow the rest of the series to end. I don't want to spoil anything for people who haven't read the Illuminae series. And he said they were at a writing conference or a writing at, like retreat and that it got very heated and, and slowly everyone else left the room. And eventually it was just them like talking about how the books were going to end. Do you guys ever have stuff like that happen? Or it sounds like you guys are pretty, you're on the same page. Well, should we tell the (laughs) plain Jane story? (laughs) Uh, Generally, we're on the same page. 
But um, for for my plain Jane, we were we I was not involved in this fight. I will just say that. <laughs> <laughs> there, Tony was not involved, so there were two other people. Go on. <laughs> but there were some very specific people who were not me who were discussing what as like while we were on our tour for my Lady Jane. <laughs> Because um, that's, you know, when we try to talk about our books whenever we get together, and that was the time that we were together. So fortunately, like the discussion came up before the plane, and then we were all seated apart from each other. And so there was like some quiet, and nobody on the plane had to be uncomfortable. Um, but then as we were getting off of the plane and walking toward the car and getting in the car with the driver, um, there was some discussion about Charlotte Bronte's legacy and feminism. Yeah. And how those two things could exist in the same book. And it got quite heated. The other people, I won't name names, were in the back seat. And usually I would love to sit in the back seat right between them. But this time I decided that I would prefer to sit up next to the strange driver in the front seat so that I didn't have to be between what was happening in the back seat. And our driver was clearly uncomfortable. He had white knuckles. <laughs> he was so quiet. It was, I felt bad for him. But by the end of that car ride, it all got worked out. Yeah, we so did that. There end you up. go. Yeah. It, it was, was basically a question of whether or not our Jane should end up with Rochester at the end. And a really fierce argument about, <laughs> about that on either side, you know. <laughs> but we Can did come say, to a I really like good came up compromise with a good middle ground <laughs> to be honest no but we did we, it actually was good because we worked it out we worked out how we were gonna deal with this and both sides of it were really important you know like both of us i think presented a really good argument about about what we should do with it and and what kind of readers were going to gravitate toward which side too so like it was important that we had that discussion. It was heated. Mm-hmm. It was very heated. <laughs> but he we were still all friends by the end. You know, it wasn't yeah. one of those things where we were angry. Right. Yeah. I mean, I agree. It was a very important discussion to have. And I, I mean, I think it was good that everybody was so passionate about, you know, the their view and able to see the other person's view, too. So we're about out of time for this portion of the podcast, but do you three have any final quick tips you'd like to give on collaborating before we move over to critique? I would say listen mm-hmm. as much as you talk. Listen. Yeah. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah, me too. We've collaborated on this answer. <laughs> awesome. Good listening there too. <laughs> All right, then we'll go ahead and move on to the next portion of the podcast where we critique an audience submission. A quick review of how we critique, we try to be non-prescriptive, but if you'd like to check out the text of the submission and see all of our notes, check on, check on our website, litservicepodcast.wixsite.com slash litnation. If you would like a first chapter critique from us, you can find our submission guidelines there. So a summary of this week's submission. A girl whose father drowns the day she is born deals with the aftermath of her broken family. What are some things we liked about this chapter? I really loved the voice. I thought it really, it grounded me in the character and how she felt about things and the world she lives in and the way that she saw things. I thought, oh, that was really nice. And it felt like a gut story too, you know, like that 
some stories are sort of head stories where we're thinking about all the different ways that characters think through something and and some stories really come from the gut and this one feels like it's a gut story which I think it's more compelling so it was great to see that I love the setting I loved I, I mean I felt like I was really there and really in this family and this poor girl and um yeah I love the setting I especially loved that first paragraph I wonder if we should read it really quick if I have it up. Oh, it's, I was born in May during a flood. Not the big one in 1901. Everybody still talks about that one. It washed away houses, the primitive Baptist church, and Mr. Beatty's cows. No, this flood seemed like it happened just to me. As I was being born, my daddy was being washed down the river, or so they tell me. So that's just the first couple of sentences, but I just loved all of the details that we get, but also like there's so much emotion behind all of it. It's wonderful. Who wrote Mm -hmm. this? It's a blind submission, so none of us know. (laughs) It's a mystery. I really like that the character dynamics are already hard at work, even in the first few pages. There's so much drama going on, and I enjoyed that a lot. What are some things that might need a second look? I felt like a lot of the beginning was very summary, and I wanted to get into more of the action, the the main meat of the story, um, faster than we did. it seemed like there were probably a lot of good ways to include more of the backstory of like the time she had chicken pox all in like in details throughout the rest of the story. And because there was so much summary in the beginning, I never really got a sense of exactly where the story was aiming. I agree. Um, one thing I really liked about it, but then ended up sort of wondering about is I really like at the end of the first paragraph that she says Matthew Campbell was nothing but a murderer. So we get this hook that her father was a murderer. And that is something that sort of hangs over this character. But I'm always a little bit hesitant to have a story in which all the characters know something and the main character knows but the reader is being left out of it in order to make us, in order to create tension and in order for us to be curious. But it's, I've always sort of thought that's, that's kind of a false tension that gets created there if all the characters know. So of course, when I got that sentence, I was like, well, who did he murder? You know, and that's the big question and that's fine. But if I never got a sense that, I got a sense that she knew who he had murdered and everyone in the town knew who he had murdered and it was affecting her. But we as the reader were being left out of that. And I wonder if it might work to just tell us and let the tension come from the situation and not from the mystery, if that makes sense. Last week we had um, Don Juan Song on the podcast, who's an agent at Howard Moreham, and he said the exact same thing, that a lot of times writers try to um, use mysteries to propel the narrative forward and to create tension. But a lot of times knowing the details are what makes the movie, the movie, the story move forward. So, and I think I agreed as I was reading this, I wanted a little more information since obviously she knew. It's like one of those... If um, the character doesn't tell you, then they're a jerk. And if the author doesn't tell you, then they're even more of a jerk. <laughs> so Sometimes it makes sense. Like in sure. Laurie Halls Anderson's speak, you know, we kind of know what the mystery is. But it makes sense because she just can't face that thing, right? And so we don't know because she won't talk about it. 
But this doesn't feel like that. It feels like it's, it's just being withheld in order to create tension. And the tension can just come from the situation itself, like the details, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. I feel like, especially when you have a character like this, it's very telling how they process the idea that they're one of their parents is a murderer. And murder itself is, you know, while generally a bad thing, is kind of open-ended. So it's like, you know, is there any is there any chance, like, maybe it was, there were extenuating circumstances, or was he a hitman, or, you know, there's, there's, there's this whole spectrum of stuff, and I feel like how our viewpoint character reacted to the more specific details would tell us a lot more about, about the character. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Which actually kind of brings me to another um, thought I had that connects with what Jody was saying earlier. I feel like a lot of, I love the narrator voice in that first paragraph and even in the second paragraph. But as soon as we hit the third paragraph where she starts telling us, you know, and my mother hates me, we get a lot of those details from the scene that comes later. And they were a lot more effective, I felt like, in the actual scene. And so that might just be something to look at where um, you can show us some things. I mean, sometimes the narrator voice is going to come through and it's awesome. Actually, that's one thing I love about the Janie books is that the narrator pops in and is like, and here we're going to tell you about this little side thing. And, and so it's a really great and effective tool. But if you use it too much, then it feels like somebody it's it's not a book anymore it's just a series of of thoughts well especially in the opening of a book like this it's really hard to feel grounded when in the first page you've got you've got her telling the story about the flood and then you have the comment about how her mom doesn't love her and then you get the promise of the chicken pox story and by the end of the page even though we have a ton of interesting characters and ideas it's a little overwhelming because you're not really sure which one we're going to focus on for the next little bit um, is it so is it middle yeah. grade what it is middle grade okay yeah i wondered about how old the character was so i wasn't quite sure where we were on that i think Unless by the end she's it. 11 is I that think. what it says i must not have been I, well she doesn't say it says like when she's six there's the chicken pox incident and then there's like some years later when she's playing marbles that i think that was i think that was probably like 10 or 11. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't really math. <laughs> I just kind of guessed. <laughs> Close enough. I feel like if books force me to do math, then something's not right. <laughs> but I got that general idea too. So mm-hmm. yeah. We're about out of time for this part too. Does anybody have any final thoughts on the submission? Mine was just about the chicken pox and about the mom. So chicken pox, while you do end up with sores, it also like makes you sick. And so I was surprised that nobody knew she had chicken pox until she was like in her mom's backyard. <laughs> it's just something to think about. I also wondered like what was different about that day with the chicken pox because we didn't have a whole lot of background with her mom. So I was wondering what changed that day. I just assumed that her mother had always treated her that way. And and for some reason, this was the day that it really, like, hit her and she realized that her mom didn't love her. But I didn't have the context to know why. So I wondered about that a little bit. I had a similar thought um, toward the very end when Will was telling her about um, her mom and her dad and um, Al and, like, the backstory there. I was like, why is he just now telling her? It seems like something that they might have talked about before. So I agree. Like, why... I, I hope the author thinks more about like why these moments are the moments. 
All right. Well, that's our time today um, to this author. Thank you for submitting. We enjoyed reading your work. And a big thank you to Cynthia Hand, Jody Meadows, and Bertie Ashton. We are so glad you were able to come on the show. Listeners, be sure to check out their newest book, My Calamity Jane. Our next guest will be Bridget Howard from Storygram Tours, who will be chatting with us about how to build a platform. We'll be going back through old submissions to choose a chapter for this episode. So if you've submitted in the past, be sure to tune in. Thank you to our intern, Lindsay Owens, and Alan Sangster, who's our sound designer. If you want to ask us questions, tell us we're awesome, or whine about how your writing is going. You can find us on social media or email us at litservicepodcast at gmail.com. Please remember to like, share, and review the podcast. It helps us grow. For Lit Service, thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks.